0: Welcome to the Leaders in Life Sciences podcast, powered by Enteray Life Sciences Consulting. In this podcast, you'll hear from leaders in the life sciences industry how they grew into their current roles, the lessons they learned along the way, and advice for those aspiring to follow in their footsteps. I am the host. My name is Mike Verletic, and I'm the CEO of Enteray Life Sciences Consulting. At Enteray, we help leaders orchestrate the positive change they want to see in their organization. Are you ready to be recognized for your leadership success? Take a listen. All right, so welcome everyone. I'm glad to have you here at, on the Leaders for Life Scientists podcast powered by a Life Sciences Consulting. My name is Mike Ferletic, I'm the host, and I'd like to welcome Courtney Boudreaux, our co-host. Welcome, Courtney.
1: Thank you, thanks for having me. Hello, everyone.
0: How are things going today, Courtney?
1: Pretty good. Have you heard of pickleball? It's like picking up across Southern California.
0: <laughs> I have heard of pickleball. I actually first heard about it, though, when I was in St. Louis.
1: Oh, okay. You no, know,
0: it's interesting. I do, I know it's very popular here, too. Are you a p- pickleball player?
1: Uh, not yet. So I purchased a package of classes through the Seal Beach Community Center that I will be Starting at the end of January 2022. So, and I was inspired by Genevieve. She's taking pickleball classes. For our listeners out there, Genevieve is one of our fantastic consultants here at NRA, and she's wonderful to work with and inspired me to take pickleball classes as well. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Come the new year, I will be reaching out and exploring different things that I haven't before. So, <laughs> well,
0: pickleball is kind of like a mix between tennis and ping pong right it's like a yeah. one stop in between
1: <laughs> yeah it's like that ba- it's like a badminton net or something with a on a tennis court i don't know yeah looks fun though so
0: yeah well hey the seal beach community center i think that's right where i grew up if i'm not mistaken
1: yeah i think it is too. very
0: close to my my home my the home i grew up in so yeah <laughs> where my dad still lives so fun times we used to drive ride our bikes by there and it uh, used to be tennis courts and we would we would be able to uh ride by and always find tennis balls like launched over the fence. And so <laughs> that was my source of uh, new tennis balls. So
1: that's awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. So funny. And they're always
0: really nice because the tennis courts always had good tennis balls, right? So <laughs> it's fun to play
1: there. Do you uh, ever want to go sell them back?
0: I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Run a little side racket.
0: We were pretty good at uh, playing, you know, playing with them and then eventually losing them ourselves. So
1: that's, that's fair. The way we went. Circle of life.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, uh, when we're recording this, it's uh, almost uh, the holiday time here, so my days have been kind of busy leading up to the holidays. Always seems very, very busy this time of year, I'm scoping out for some presents and stuff for the family. Exciting. I haven't done a lot of shopping. I try to do a little mix of online and in person.
1: Yeah. It's nice to have online as an option, you know, especially with COVID picking back up again and, you know, the uncertainty with all of that. You were in Indiana recently, right? I
0: was, yes.
1: How was that?
0: It was great. I love Indiana, and uh, as you might guess, I was up in South Bend near my alma mater, Notre Dame, and uh always love to be there. Just a great uh, sense of well-being when I'm there, so it was very, very nice. And I will have to say, this is December, and I think the weather has felt much colder here than it did there <laughs> this oh, past no. few days, but I think... I think they are diving into some colder weather here pretty soon. So
1: well, only fair. <laughs> That's
0: right. That's right. I'm pretty sure we're gonna win the weather battle, but in the long run, but maybe the short term, there's a few few days where we might lose out. So
1: Yeah, very fun.
0: Well, cool. Well, we are excited to get started with our podcast interview today. And today we have a very special guest, Sam Howard is with us. All right. Well, let's just jump into our discussion with Sam. Uh, Sam Howard is currently the senior program manager at Dendreon Seal Beach Manufacturing Facility, and he has a comprehensive background in leadership, supply chain management, and project management. Prior to entering the business world, Sam spent over 28 years serving our country in the United States Marine Corps. Thank you, Sam. He retired as a lieutenant colonel. Uh, During his time in the Marines, Sam held multiple logistics roles where he focused on operationalizing logistics in support of theater security operations. He also performed a critical role back here at home in the recruitment of new Marines where he led operations in support of the successful transition of more than 33,000 recruits in their transition from civilian to a basically trained Marine. Talk about a recruiting effort, Sam. That's pretty pretty darn impressive. After his retirement from the Marine Corps, Sam joined Entire Life Sciences Consulting, which is a company we know a little bit about, and he did that to pursue his interest in the life sciences industry. Uh, this interest was originally developed as Sam earned his degree in biology from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. After serving as a manager at Entire for nearly three years, Sam has taken a role at Dendrion, a company founded on the belief that immunotherapy made from a patient's own cells will transform cancer treatment. Sam is supporting Dendrion's efforts to expand their contract manufacturing capability in the fast-growing personalized medicine space. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Sam to the podcast. Welcome, Sam. We're looking forward to talking to you.
2: Well, thank you, Mike and, and Courtney. And it was quite an introduction. I, I'm not sure I'm worthy of all of those nice accolades, but I would like to say in all of those efforts, I was never alone. It was always a team effort. And that has allowed me to achieve and basically enjoy a lot of successes I've had throughout my career and life. So, thank you.
0: You're welcome. Well, it's great to have you, and and certainly uh, knowing you from your work here at Enter A, we we uh, acknowledge and uh, recognize those accomplishments there. So, uh, let's jump right in. I uh, my first question, I think, is maybe one that a lot of people wonder about, and it's you know. Coming out of school as a biology major, how did you decide to embark on a military career as opposed to something like med school or some other scientific career that maybe some of your peer students were focused on?
2: You know, Mike, that's a that's a great question. One I've had to answer on numerous occasions. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, people have asked, wait a minute, you were a marine, and now you're in life sciences. How and why? And and I guess to kind of fill in, I guess, some of the story, you have to go back to, you know, my basic understanding as a sophomore and a junior in in college. You know, I'm going through taking classes, attending labs, and along the way, I think I mustered up the courage to ask one of my, you know, one of my counselors, you know, what am I going to do with this degree? And they kind of laid out a couple of options. One was to obviously, you know, work in the lab. I'm like, okay, kind of by yourself, seems very repetitive. I, I don't know if that's something that's going to appeal to me. And the other one was pharmaceutical sales and I'm like, yikes, no <laughs> way. I am not cut out to be a salesperson. What do I even know about talking to people about you know different activities. And so I really started thinking about, you know what am I going to do going forward? Obviously, I w- I'm going to complete my program and I'm, and I'm going to pursue something and in, in obviously, as a professional, what do I want to do? And along that time, the Marine Corps came up and gave me some options. And they one of them was, hey, why don't you get your degree and come and actually lead Marines? And I said, "Mm, that's wow, that's that's interesting. And they talked to me about being a platoon commander and what it actually means to serve your country. And, you know, the opportunities you have to travel and to grow as a professional. And I was like, that sounds very appealing. I I think I would like to see if I could I'm up to the challenge of actually leading Marines in a very dynamic and obviously, in, in some cases, kinetic environment. And so I chose to do that fully thinking that I was going to go do it for four years and come right back. And uh, somehow four years kind of moved on. And next thing you know, it was a career. I was enjoying it. And I decided to continue to go until I couldn't go anymore. And uh, And so after that, wrapping that up, I came back and said, well, now what do I want to do? And I remember what I liked about the challenges of the Marine Corps, which was, you know, can you lead people? Yes, I love leading people. Can you work and solve complex problems? Yes, I can do that. I love doing that. And can I make a a difference? And I realized those are three things that really drive me as a a person, as a professional. And I was like, I want to do whatever I'm going to do in my next career. I want to be able to lead people, I want to be able to solve complex problems, and I want to be able to make a difference. And I started looking out my search. And along the way, surprise, surprise, I stumbled back into life sciences. And the opportunity was there for me to be able to lead people, again, solve some, obviously some complex problems and to really make a difference. And so that really appealed to my core. And at the, at the heart of, you know, of my upbringing was always that scientific curiosity. So it just kind of checked all the boxes. So I came back and said, yes, I would love to be a member of the life science community. I started my networking, making sure that I can actually, how do I actually get back in? And along the way, again, you walk in and you never know who you you run into. And I ran into some some great former armed services members who really talked to me and encouraged me to, to look outside and, and develop those contacts. And then all of a sudden one day I ran into this person called Ryan Coughlin. And I'm like, wait a minute, Ryan Coughlin, he's a Marine. And he works at this company called Interray. Hey Ryan, I'm a Marine. I want to get in life sciences. Let's talk about Intera. And before you know it, I was with Intera, actually working with some great people, trying to come up and solve some complex problems, and in the end, making a difference in people and patients' lives.
1: I love that story. That's great. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Really good kind of journey from military to getting into back into the industry. And you know, as you mentioned, your leadership experiences, and, and this is podcast is about leadership and i think you may have learned some things in your educational experience on the biology side that may have given you some structure for being a leader in the marines and then applying that back to the industry i'm just curious if you if there are some correlations that you that you recall from that time absolutely and
2: i, and I think at the heart of it you know and again i'm going to use the word scientific process you know you got to have You want to actually do something. You want to observe and then make changes. And I found that approach to kind of line up perfectly again with with my values and and beliefs. And the way that I was able to use that structure in the military, for me, was pretty straightforward. You know, if I was given a task and an opportunity to either lead a particular mission or work and develop a solution with people, I always stepped up with that, saying, here's what I think we want to be able to do. Let's make sure we understand what it is we're going to do, and then let's start taking some appropriate actions and see how if those results line up with what we wanted to have a, a occur. And so, for me, the the transition I won't say it was it was it wasn't always natural because there were some elements that you know required a little more hands on approach, meaning like communication. Obviously, uh, had to deal with a lot more people, a lot more dynamic and fluid than, and in some cases, uh, because of just the, the geographic of the area that we worked in, and in some cases, the nature of the mission that we were assigned. But in the end, I think having that approach and understanding that, yes, there is a cause and reaction to your activities allowed me to really develop and, and key in on how, as a leader, how I'm able to help shape the activities and the outcome for, for my mission, and more importantly, for the people that I was assigned to lead. So definitely a correlation.
1: Yeah. It seems that you know leadership is innate with you, and that's kind of what drew you to the Marines was the leadership aspect. So my question for you would be: Do you think all leaders are born and innately made, or do you think leaders leadership can be kind of fostered and developed within people? Well,
2: that's a that's a great question, Courtney. And again, as as one to be honest, that we've been asked to ponder on on, on numerous occasions. You know, a leader's born or a leader's made. And again, I think my personal belief is it's a combination. Yes, you are born with some innate skills and capabilities. And I think it's incumbent upon you to kind of help develop and refine those skills to, again, develop that leadership uh, skills. And so I, I've never met anybody that was a perfect leader. Come in, no one. I don't think any. maybe there's one or two that exist. But to be honest, I've never encountered them. So I think along the way, the people that I admire as, as leaders, well, one, they were, they were humble. They were willing to say, hey, I don't know everything. And they, were, they, they had the courage in some cases to, had the courage to say, I don't know. And they definitely looked and, and, and sought out opportunities to help develop and refine those skills. And when they noticed that there was a gap in either their ability to execute or maybe a gap in their knowledge, they didn't let that hinder them. They decided to take action. And to me, that's the very definition of a leader. It's not knowing the answer, but being willing and able to actually come up with a solution to the to solve it. That's the difference as a leader. So
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So I I know that a lot of these life science companies really rely on their management teams to to help drive drive their employees and drive their personnel towards their end goal, which oftentimes is getting medicine or to patients. What do you think is the difference between somebody who's just a manager and somebody who is a leader to, to drive, drive folks towards that goal?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And again, I, it's something that I've been able to actually walk through with members of my project team. And on occasion, I actually talk to our senior leadership about uh, as members of the steering committee. And it's never a really straightforward and simple answer, but the way I kind of couch it is, you know, leaders actually come up with visions. They, they have a vision. They don't know the answer, but they have a vision. And I think managers often devolve into giving out tasks and, and managing a list. And so in the Marine Corps, you know, we, we despise the word leader. You know, I mean, excuse me, we despise the word manager. If you said you were a manager, you were, you're a persona non grata. So we would always say, yeah, you manage things, but you lead people. And I think in the end, that concept has a ring of truth to it. So yes, as a manager, I've seen them devolve into, here's a series of actions and steps and tasks that need to be accomplished. And as a leader, yes, those not saying those things are important, but in the end, they're more worried about, hey, is this vision going to be able to succeed and thrive? Do I have the right people in place to, to, to make that happen? And then they come up and create opportunities for those people to actually basically satisfy or more importantly, accomplish that vision. And so to me, that's the difference between being a manager and a leader.
0: That's great. I I really uh, love the distinction you made there. And one thing that always strikes me is that people that you work for, you may not get to choose that. And so therefore, you have many different styles of leadership that you have to follow. Uh, I'm sure that you encountered that a lot in your time with the Marines and beyond. I'm just curious to me, your thoughts on how do you Did you adapt to the different leaders that you had to work for or, or follow? And uh, were there times when you didn't adapt?
2: The short answer is yes. There's definitely times that I could have done things much better. And yes, to me, leadership is not always straightforward. There's many different paths to the same outcome. And so, again, I, I think I've kind of settled upon basically at this point in my life, I've settled upon the fact that I can't necessarily control the outcome, but I can control my own actions and my my own beliefs. And so in the end, the way that I've always approached it is I'm going to be consistent, I'm going to be transparent, and I'm going to give you my opinion on as we go forward. And that has worked for me going forward. But again, that wasn't always the case when I was younger. And when I was younger, it was, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And I was not a will, and I was more than willing to challenge people saying, why are you, why are we going to do it this way? And again, as I've gone through this, I call it a maturation process, I realized that's not necessarily always, it, my way is not necessarily the best way. So my way is a way, but there may be a better way. And as a leader, going back to being that leader, sometimes and a lot of times you need to listen and actually learn and see, hey, why do you want to do it that way? And so one of the great things that I've tried to help develop, especially as i talked about leadership and and develop my own leaders, is, you know, we we need to be able to ask key questions. And and again, and questions that really revolve around how are we going to solve this? And so I I used to tell my Marines and I I tell, you know, my consultants going forward, hey, you know, the, the question of how as opposed to why. Asking that how question allows people to really give an honest answer, and it doesn't necessarily make them defensive about a position that they may hold. And so I've really learned as a, as a leader going forward is I like to ask the how questions and opposed to the why are we doing something, and that has made a big difference going forward. And so the how questions paired up with my own opportunity to listen and to learn and realize that my way is not necessarily the best way. I think has uh, has allowed me to be more successful and definitely allowed me to realize that there's many different leaders different ways to all see the the objectives and just because I don't necessarily subscribe to that to that approach doesn't mean it's wrong.
1: Yeah. I think that's critical, you know, and what you mentioned it knowing that it doesn't have to be your way, it just has to be the way that gets the team there and maintaining that State of open mindedness as a leader, I think, is incredibly admirable and is most certainly somebody that I would want to work for. So, thank you, Sam.
0: I was just going to ask you, Sam. So, it's always great to learn from others too. And I imagine you learn from others along the way. Is there anybody in particular that you recall that had a particular influence on your development as a leader or as a person, however you'd like to approach that?
2: I think, as a person, you know, I, I think we can all. At least for me, I can always go back to looking at you know who were influential role models in my life, and I'm going to start with obviously my dad. Just my dad was a was or is a retired marine, so clearly that had a big bearing in what I wanted to do going forward because I saw him live out his his values and live and and display his integrity going forward, and I that's something that I always admired, and I and I admired it because you know no matter what the situation was he always had a sense of what was right and what was wrong. And he was not, you know, and he was willing and had the courage to actually speak up for what he thought was right, even though it may not necessarily be popular, even though he may have been the minority in in the group. But you always knew where my dad stood. And then when I saw that going going forward, I wanted to, to emulate that. I'm like, I want to be that person. And so as I went throughout my career, there's a lot of people that I could probably bring up as some great examples. And uh, I mean, and a lot of them, to be honest, were, were enlisted members. You know, I'm supposed to be, as an officer, you know, you're often thought of it as the leader. You're the guy who's actually making the decisions and actually driving the organization. And to be honest, there was a lot of opportunity. There was a lot of times when that was not not even close to being the case. There was some of my, my, my senior enlisted advisors. And I remember one in particular who, had, when I just took over as a newly company commander, I was really excited, I was able to actually... You know, drive and actually take charge and be held responsible. And I remember having those discussions with my first sergeant, first Sergeant Kerr at the time. And you know, he would walk in my office and not not that he would challenge me, but he would ask me, so sir, is that really what you want to do? Do you really think that's the best path forward for the Marines? And I always appreciated that he never necessarily said I was wrong. But he always gave me the opportunity to kind of think about what it is that we needed to do and count it in those terms so that I had a better appreciation. And he taught me, again, how to be honest, how to be respectful, and more importantly, how to take the interest of the Marines. And those lessons I, again, carried forward going, going throughout my career. And I remember, again, in the same organization, I, I ran into, again, I, at the time, uh, Major Byrne. He was uh, our executive officer. And he asked me. He said, "Sam, so what do you want to do in your career?" And I thought, you know, what do you mean? I'm a marine officer. You know, that that is my career. I'm I'm doing it. And he was like, oh, "Okay, yes, you are a marine officer, but that's not necessarily your career path. What is it you want to do?" And I remember he made me actually think about what it is I wanted to do, and to and from that point, kind of start shaping my actions and more importantly my decisions to do that. And, and he taught me the importance of having a vision not only in your professional life but applying that same vision those same aspects towards your profet- uh, to your personal life and again i th- that was you know for me at the time i was a young officer impressionable and that to me was like it, it was i won't say life changing but well it was life changing cuz i i took responsibility for my actions and my decisions and i realized that it had a larger impact on the direction and more importantly my actions in the future and so i definitely appreciate that and then my i guess my the the last person you know that I, that I would bring up is my current boss um, maria Choi uh out of uh, dendrion and the reason why i admire her as a leader because she has the passion and she has the foresight and the knowledge to actually drive the actions. and she is not willing or I won't say not willing to take a no for an answer, but she will challenge you on any no's. And I love the aspect of her being, you know, for one, challenging people's position and then more importantly, creating that vision for us to follow. And so because of her passion and because of her vision, it makes working for her so much easier because I realize that even if I make a mistake, as long as I'm working toward the goal and the vision you have, I'm gonna be okay and the organization is gonna be okay and so she kind of taught me that it's okay to make mistakes and and to not necessarily be perfect as long as you have the best intent in mind and that you're actually trying to accomplish the vision whatever you come up with is going to be acceptable and so those three people I guess throughout looking at my career and my my time really had an influence and, and they kind of helped shape me my values and my beliefs and my again my I I guess my Appreciation for what it means to be a great leader.
0: That's awesome! All three, just great, great examples, great reasons why. I think that really kind of hit me. I Even just, I wrote down some notes for myself listening to you speak, Sam. Because I think those are just great examples of what people can do to help inspire others. And uh, I see you living those things in your work and life, and and taking what you've learned from people to to help others grow as well. So. I uh, really appreciate that insight. Hey, Courtney, a lot of our clients we work with have great ideas on how to improve their business, but they just run into challenges that seem to get in the way of accomplishing their goals. Have you ever seen that?
1: Yeah, of course. It happens all the time. I've seen clients struggle with a lack of visibility into all the work that's happening within their organization. I've seen clients that are focused on manual tasks, which takes away from focusing on the actual project work And I've seen leadership struggle to make decisions due to lack of timely information.
0: That's so true. It seems like just knowing the problems to fix is only half the battle. How would you help your clients address those challenges?
1: Well, we, of course, first work with our client to design a structured management process that fits their culture and team. And in a lot of situations, we bring in tools like Smartsheet to help the entire project team be more efficient. With the help of Smartsheet, we were able to create dashboards, automate routine tasks and have the information ready in real time to help support leadership's decision making. Wow,
0: it sounds like you not only execute on the project, but your work helps everyone get more done with less work.
1: I hope so. Smartsheet is a powerful tool and my clients seem to be really happy with it.
0: That's great. Now if somebody needs help on their project, what should they do?
1: They should check out NRA.com and schedule a call with us to see how we can help.
0: Sounds like a great idea.
1: Well, thank you.
0: All right, Sam. So in talking about the leaders that you just described, a lot of it, in, in what you took away from it was just getting better a little bit each time, right? not worrying about making mistakes, but trying to get better and focusing on learning and growth. So one question we'd have is, you know, what is one minimally viable thing that you can do each day to make yourself better on an ongoing basis?
2: To me, it's, it's reading. It's just reading. And the great thing about, to me, I'm going to say the internet, is, you know, there's this limitless opportunities for you to pause and actually learn more about a particular topic, maybe a particular concept that you really maybe never even, even encountered before. So again, going back to my days in the military, we were given opportunities to actually go study. And, you know, we would be selected to go spend a year, you know, actually, no kidding, learning our craft. And learning how we can apply the the principles of of warfighting. And I remember we had a class one time, and, and one of the you know the professors challenged us to be lifelong leaders. I mean learners. And I'm like, I you know at the time it was like lifelong learners. Okay. And At the time, you know, again, I'm I'm young. That didn't really sink in. But it was amazing as I started thinking about more and more. And I'm like, yes. How else can you possibly lead? And, and continue to uh, get the best out of people if if you yourself never evolve. And so to me, just the, the, the ability to, to read. And again, not that I don't care what the topics are, because yeah, topics I think are important, but I think just committing to the idea that I'm going to read something new every day. Maybe it's about the industry. Maybe it's about, I don't know, your favorite sport. But just committing to that aspect will allow you to develop those habits that I think are very important as uh, as a leader and, and as a member of this you know obviously the life science industry which is you got to be that lifelong learner because things change and you know and we're living at the process right now at, at Dendrion where things are changing for us and we have to be able to understand what are the new concepts what are the new things happening in, inside the industry and how can we actually help foster and build that ideal to get it to you know again our, our patients and that won't happen if we're just concentrating on the day-to-day activities worried about meeting timelines filling out spreadsheet and attending meetings you have to pause and be able to read and again having that natural curiosity and committing to being that lifelong le- learner will allow that
0: that's awesome totally agree great
1: I was gonna say I see you have a bookshelf behind you and for our listeners at home who can't see say I'm sitting at his desk with a bookshelf full of books and photos and a Stormtrooper head. But <laughs> based off of that other question, what are some of the best books you've read?
2: Let's see. Best books I've read. There's, again, sci-fi is definitely one of my, my favorite. Dune is a great series. So, I'll, uh, you know, I got to go back to Dune. I, I love the Dune series. I, I think I've tried to reread each of uh, uh, each book probably multiple times. I, I love that as a both a genre genre and both as just topics. I mean just the concepts of, of trying to understand the underlying themes, you know, of religion, for example, in, in Dune. But, you know, I guess one one of the great books that I just finished, and I'm gonna pull back and look at it. So I just finished reading Jobs to be done. And it talks about theory to practice of how do you actually come up with this concept. How do you actually understand what needs to occur? And, and then more importantly, how do you actually get it done? And it kind of comes up with, and again, in the author's words, how to actually put some things in practice from ideal into execution. And so I, I've actually used part of this book in my discussions with some of my steering committee and again, members of the project team, just to make sure they understand the concept. Because I, again, I'm a big believer in, if you understand the concept, then the actions and the tasks. Again, you, I don't need to direct all of that stuff because you'll use your own initiative and your own abilities to come up with a solution that, to be honest, is probably 10 times better than I could ever think of. All I need to do is get you to understand the concept. And so, books that allow me to understand the concepts and actually understand how to put those in practice, that's really what I kind of cater toward. And I just finished another book on looking for team. Yeah, I love this book, Team Genius. It is funny because one of the notions of what is, you know, what does it take for, you know, for the ideal team? And uh, it is, again, the author kind of concedes that the ideal team consists of five plus or minus two people. So it's like either seven or, or three people. And uh, it's funny because I use that when I started talking to my, my steering committee saying, you know, what? we get too many people in here. We're not able to effectively make decisions. We're not communicating correctly. And I referred them back to that book said, you know, scientifically speaking, again, going back to my, my data background, scientifically speaking, the ideal team consists of this. And that argument allowed me to actually kind of facilitate a restructuring of our project team so we can make better decisions. And so again, I like to combine all those different actions, but in the end, using books to understand concept and ideas to me is critically important. And that's a marker of a true professional. I mean, can you imagine your doctor not reading and keeping up with what's going on?
1: That would be terrifying.
2: Yeah, I would be terrified as well, (laughs) as you should be. And to me, as a market professional, yes, you should have some books. You should be able to understand some concepts. And again, to me, that's the kind of books, and that's what I kind of delve into.
0: That's great. I I love to buy books. And I... I have not done as good a job of reading all those books. Uh, My wife will tell you, I'll order a book, a new book will arrive at home, and I have every intent to read it, but it goes on to a stack of books that I haven't read. And so this is a practical question. What's your best advice for getting more reading time in?
2: You got to put it on on your your calendar. I mean, I hate to say it, but we're all kind of driven. We're we're conditioned to understand and, and work within a calendar. And uh, in the way that I, again, kind of approach it is, you know, you, you schedule the things that are important to you. So if you schedule the things that are important to you, then all of a sudden it becomes something that you're going to follow up and act on. And so, you know, even the, the idea of reading, because I, again, remember going back to my military time, we had, uh, again, another professor walk in and he, he threw out this concept of speed reading. And I'm like, again, what is speed reading? What are you talking about? And he laid out this notion that, you know, do you need to know every word in the book to understand the concept? And he challenged to say, no, of course, of course not. So he said, if the author is really good, then the author is going to basically lay out his idea. He's going to lay out supporting arguments for his idea. And then he's going to conclude by repeating what his idea was. And he said, for you as a reader, that's what you want to understand because the rest are just examples. And he said, but do you understand the concept? And so I go back to, do I understand the concept that's being pulled out inside the book because I'm going to have my own stories and maybe I need to know one or two, but do I need to know all the stories? Maybe, maybe not. But to me, that the first step is just scheduling the time. And the second one is make sure you understand what you're reading for. And for me, a lot of times is I'm reading to understand the concept. What is the concept that they're trying to to offer so that I can take it and apply using my knowledge, my training and my experience into action with with my team members?
0: That's Great advice, and and I think a really good point. I I know when I was doing a good job of reading and getting through my list of books, I was just dedicating a small amount of time, even just you know fifteen minutes, twenty minutes a day, and that makes a big difference too.
2: Yeah, absolutely,
0: love it. So one thing, Sam, I know you're really good at is networking, and I uh, saw you network effectively when you were here at Interay. And just curious, what your tips are from a networking standpoint, and how do you how do you go about meeting others in a leadership capacity or to learn more? What are your strategies there?
2: Yeah, you're being way too kind. I don't know if I'm good at networking. <laughs> I'm just okay with people saying, you know, no. And and I think there's maybe a slight distinction because you, you know, the first thing I learned was you you have to be comfortable with putting yourself out there. I mean you you have I mean that's the first step. You know, if you're waiting for someone to walk up to you then you've already lost the battle. You might as well go home. So, I think that you know, and again, there was lots of opportunities to be kind of developed that and then I started realizing when we, you know, why do I walk up and talk to certain people? Why do certain people hold my interest and certain people don't? And you know, I started thinking about what I liked when I met you know, when I interact with new people and I started to try to model and actually show that. And so to me, I, the, the first step is, you know, you can call an elevator p- uh, pitch and that's fine. But you, what's you know, why are you talking? What, what do you want to talk about? And so just understanding, you know, and being very succinct about it, understanding what it is that their interest, what's going to interest them and being able to encapsulate that in three to four sentences to me is always key. And so I've always tried to make sure that I understood the environment, make sure I understood what I thought that particular member wanted to understand and get from me, and then try to actually develop that. And going through that and again a lot of practice. And again, I still don't think I'm very good at it, but just kind of practicing and actually walking up and just talking to people and being genuine about, you know, who I am and who, you know, what do I want to do. Because what I found is that people, you know, at their heart they want to help. And if you tell them kind of what you want to do, they'll think about, you know, how can I help you? And it's amazing. Next, you know, you're having a conversation about what it is that you want to do and how you can help them. And in the end, to me, you develop that connection. And to me, networking is about developing that connection. You're not necessarily going to solve all the problems and nor do you want to solve all their problems, your networking encounter. But you do want to leave open opportunity that, hey, look, I I'm interested in trying to see what I can do to help you. And normally they will correspond and communicate the same to you.
0: Very good. Very good advice. All right, Sam, that was great. I think we're going to head in to wrap up here. But before we do, uh, we'd we'd like to play a little game in our uh, podcast here. We'll have a little fun, I should say. All right. So, uh, Courtney, I'm going to turn it over to you. I think you're going to do a little speed round of questions.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. Yes, so I do have questions. They are for fun. Whatever the first thing that pops in your head is fine. And if you want to pass a question, just say pass and let me know. So I will ask Sam about 10 questions, and then it'll be Mike's turn. And then we'll say goodbye, unfortunately, too soon. So, Sam, you are up first. Are you ready?
2: I am ready. Okay. I'm leaning forward in my seat.
1: Okay. All right. On your mark, get set, go. What has been your favorite age so far?
2: 25.
1: Twenty five. What's your go-to lazy dinner?
2: Uh ooh, spaghetti.
1: What is your favorite thing to do in the summertime?
2: Play basketball.
1: What is one of your nicknames?
2: Yeah, we may need to pass on that one. Come (laughs) back to
1: that. (laughs) What movie do you enjoy quoting the most?
2: Star Wars.
1: If you could be transformed into one animal, which one would you choose?
2: Ooh, one animal. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if I could pick one animal. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I get will pass on that one because I, I don't have one animal.
1: What dish do you cook the best?
2: I get to grill. So I'm going to say anything that I can grill, I normally do a decent job on. So steak and chicken.
1: Okay. <laughs> what story do you tell the most often?
2: Ooh, the story that I tell the most often. Does it have to be true or is... <laughs> no. Uh, the story I tell the most often. I probably tell this is definitely for my children. I, I, I tell my children the story about the three rules because there's three rules that we had that I've given them as they've grown up. And so we always review and we go back to that story about the what are the three rules that I abide by. So
1: very cool. And what is your hidden talent?
2: Ooh, man, hidden talent. That I could be extremely quiet. I don't know. I I don't know if I have a hidden talent. That would imply that I have some talent. So I don't know if I have it.
1: talent. I would say that being quiet is a talent of yours because it's normally like not good when you're super quiet and it's and it's scary but effective. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, well, yes, thank you. But well, then, yes, I'm going to stick with being it. quiet because, as you know, I definitely get opinions on everything, and uh, and if if I think there's an opening, normally I'm I'm willing to share. So I do practice and try to be quiet.
1: Very cool. Well, thank you, Sam. That All wraps right. up your turn. But Mike Ferletic, I'm looking at you next. All right. So, are you ready?
0: I am ready. I just have to say, you know, based on your Star Wars answer, and that explains the stormtrooper there, Sam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because
2: uh, you know both shelves—they do have there's there's some hitting meeting about anything on my shelf. So anything that's on the shelf behind me, the shelves behind me, typically are a gift. So if someone knows that I, my family knows that I that I love Star Wars and so it seems like every year for my birthday or for Christmas they will buy me something. So in this case they bought the Stormtrooper bank which I again I adored so it's on the shelf. But yes, that's how anything that you give me goes on the shelf. So
1: your dog is named Princess Leia Spider-Man, right?
2: And it is. That is her name. Leia yeah. Spider-Man. Yes.
1: For our listeners out there, Sam used to be my direct manager when he was here at Enteray, so that's how I know all about the the Star Wars jokes and the dog's name. So
0: <laughs> awesome! Alrighty, alright, you, you ready, ready Mike? Right. I'm ready.
1: Okay, what's your favorite board game?
0: I love Monopoly. Actually, I'll take change. I like the game of life.
1: Okay, how do you usually answer the telephone?
0: Hi, this is Mike.
1: Who's your favorite Disney character?
0: Sheriff Woody.
1: What are you most looking forward to?
0: What am I most looking forward to? Just in general right now, I'm really looking forward to a little little time off between the holidays. It's going to be nice to kind of wrap up the year and, and get recharged for 2022.
1: Very cool. What never fails to make you laugh?
0: Hmm. Our dog had her teeth removed, one of our dogs, and that in itself is not funny, but the poor thing can no longer keep her tongue like in her mouth, so it sticks out to the <laughs> side. <laughs> and no matter how often you see it, it makes you chuckle every time.
1: <laughs> That's so funny. If you were to write a book, what would it be about?
0: Uh, if I were to write a book, what would it be about? It would be about it would be about somebody that is, accomplishes great things, but is, is different from the rest of the pack, so to speak. So someone that maybe is not meant to be in a certain arena, but they thrive in that space.
1: Nice. If you had to change your first name, what would you change it to?
0: Oh, wow. Don't ask me why, but maybe it's because it's my son's name, but I would say John. Okay, my son's name is John, but he doesn't go by John. He goes by Jack, so see I could take I could still take John and would not affect his name.
1: Nice. What is your favorite type of weather?
0: Oh, I, I, I like it a bit a bit cold, but and I like bouts of snow, but I like to visit the snow and then I would like to come back to you know nice temperate seventy, 70 between seventy five and eighty five.
1: Um, what is your favorite store?
0: My favorite store? I will say my favorite store is Costco and it's precisely why I no longer have a Costco membership.
1: <laughs> Understandable. Like I could not
0: go in there without spending a lot of money. So Fair. Every and then
1: time. last question, what would your spy code name be?
0: My spy code name? Oh, interesting. Well, my spy code name should be something that you wouldn't be able to identify me with, but, uh, can't think of what that would be. So it wouldn't
1: be Mike Furletic.
0: No, it wouldn't be Mike Furletic, but uh in high school they called me Mr. Furley because uh Furletic, Furley. So okay. <laughs> you might have to go way back to a show called Three's Company. I'm sure Sam knows it. Courtney, I'm not sure if you've seen that show, but <laughs> Yeah, Don Nuts, yes. Yep, that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. So that wraps up our our speed question game
0: that was fun. thank
1: you both for playing along it was fun to to learn about um your thoughts and the answers to some of them so yeah, great
0: you. job thanks for putting it together courtney
1: of course no problem
0: and sam i have to tell you i know uh it's middle of the afternoon here but tonight at honda center the ducks are hosting star wars night if you're a hockey fan oh i need to head north Oh well,
2: I'm a like I said, I am a sucker for anything and everything Star Wars, so I, I I will definitely look into that. So, and attending a hockey game is definitely on my short list of things to do. You know, we didn't get a chance to do that in some other places that we've lived, so it'd be it'd be really cool, really cool to kind of <laughs> see the different sports. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: Nice. In the spirit of leadership and asking clarifying questions, what is Star Wars? <laughs>
0: I'm not even sure I know how to answer, but uh. <laughs> yeah,
1: I wish so everybody awesome. could see Sam's face. <laughs> he just Man. dropped, and he got real quiet.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's grounds for having you removed from the building. <laughs> like, what is Star Wars? Yeah,
0: so I'm, I'm just not even teasing a huge everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's great. That's so funny. All right. Well, awesome. We are going to wrap up this episode of the Leaders in Life Sciences podcast. Thank you, Sam Howard, for joining us. We wish you nothing but the best. And thank you again for your 28 years of service to our country. Always admire that. And once a Marine, always a Marine, right? So thank you for your ongoing commitment to to our, our country and serving all of us in the time that you did. We appreciate it. Thank you, Courtney. Wonderful show once again. Thank you, Mike. And uh, looking forward to uh, the next
1: one. Absolutely. See you next time.
2: And I just want to say thank you again to Mike and Courtney, and, and particularly to Mike in particular. I think Mike, we we've talked about this, uh, but want again, just reaffirm publicly, you know, thank you for your support and your patience and and to be honest, taking a risk on that marine who served twenty eight years to come in and actually help service and support your your clients. It meant a lot to me. And obviously a lot of my success, especially at Dendrion can be directly mapped back to the things that I've learned and the opportunities that I was giving at at Intray. So it was, you know, it's great. Intray is always near and dear to my heart and it's always great to see your growth and your presence uh, continue to, to expand in Southern California. So all the best and thank you for allowing me to participate. Uh, on the podcast
0: awesome
1: thanks for being here
0: appreciate those kind words sam and and, and appreciate having you here and uh we'll look forward to uh look forward to many more more discussions all right all right let's wrap this up if you like this podcast please don't forget to subscribe that really helps us out and also leave us a five-star rating that's a big help too if you'd like please feel free to share your thoughts in the comments as well Thank you for listening and hope to see you next time on the Leaders in Life Sciences podcast, powered by Entire Life Sciences Consulting, where people drive results. Take care.